love to tell the story. I'm glad somebody told it to me. I love to tell the story. For those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing a new, new song. It will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. Well, last week I told you about a couple of uh, big focuses, 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 focus eye, coming to Sharon Heights over the next few months and weeks. The first is the Three Circles Gospel Sharing Tool that we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to introduce that to you tonight, and I'm going to help you think through it and work through it, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to uh, break out with one another and share it tonight. I know you're excited about that. Then I'm going to give you some homework, and I know you're tickled about that too. But the other big push is called, Who's Your One? Who is that one person that has not been in church with you today, that if God were to do a real miracle in their life, would be with you here on Easter to hear the gospel preached? So last week, I hope that you wrote their name down on that card and you've been praying for them. Maybe you've had already an opportunity to speak to them, and maybe um, God will open that up for you. One thing I want to do in regards to our Easter service is I want to get together a team of people who would be willing to meet Lord willing, every week to pray specifically for that service. To pray that the gospel would go forth in power and that the Lord would work in hearts. So if you'd be willing to do that, then I want you to meet me in my office Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. And if for some reason you think, oh, preacher, I can't do that. I'm having my wisdom teeth taken out. This Wednesday at 6, you know, I just can't be there. Um, Get with me and we'll work it out, okay? Because I want to get together a team of people that will spend some time praying every week. But before we do begin our time together this evening... I want us to take just just a moment um, and go to the Lord in prayer. I want to have a time of focused praying for that person whose name has been on your heart that you want to see God work in their life. And I want to do that by using this verse of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 1. I want you to make a note of that in your notebook that you so wisely brought with you. And I want you... To make a note of this verse, some of you have it memorized, some of you know it as soon as you see it. Isaiah 59, 1. I want you to use this verse as you pray this week. Behold, pay attention. That's what it means. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot say. Or his ear dull that it cannot hear. So it may be a good idea for you just to take a glance at this kind of sample prayer on the next slide that may be helpful to uh, shape the way you pray. I think we've got a slide on that one, maybe. What's, Christy, what's next? Just surprise us. There we go. Lord, you love to save. The cross is an expression of your heart to save. The empty tomb is an expression of your power to save. The Bible is a record of your saving acts, and I am proof of your saving love. Lord, I believe that no one, including my one, is so far from you that you can't reach them. Lord, you hear me now as I pray. So give me an opportunity to share the gospel with my one. Give me the wisdom to see that opportunity and the boldness to take it. Lord, work in their heart. Lord, let me share what I learned tonight with them and bring them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. I would never try and put words in your mouth when you pray. But that might be a good place to start. So you know who that person is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for them specifically right now for just a moment. Lord, you do love to save. Lord, I believe that the cross is the most powerful expression of your heart to save, your love. Lord, I believe that that tomb is empty because you are a God who is mighty to save. 
And Lord, ever since Jesus got up from that tomb, you have been going all over this world saving people through the message of the gospel. And Lord, you know that person that's on my heart that is not in this place today. Lord, that I would love to see here. I would love to see here. Lord, you know where he is tonight. You know what he's doing. And God, I pray right now that you would begin to work in his life, work in his heart. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel with him. I pray you'd give me wisdom to see it as it comes. And Lord, the boldness to step through that door when you open it. And Lord, I want to pray for him right now. I want to pray for all these others that are being mentioned. These other children, these other grandchildren, these other spouses, these other friends or co-workers. Lord, whatever it may be, I want to lift each one of them up. Lord, I know, I know, Lord, that your arm is not short and that it cannot save. I know that your ears are not dull to our prayers. You have heard us. And we believe by faith you're going to answer us. So we pray for them now in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. So now we are going to watch a brief video. I think we've got it queued up. So we're going to dim the lights. We're going to hit it. Brother Corey, if you'll come help me rearrange the furniture real quick, man. Now I'm going to go through the three circles right now so you can get your first rep. So go ahead and get your pen, your paper, or your napkin and draw this out with me. The Bible tells us that God has a design for every single area of our lives. He cares about everything about us. He cares about our marriages. He cares about our parenting, our money, our jobs. He cares about every aspect of our lives. And the Bible says that if we'll operate our lives according to God's design, then we'll live in the arena of God's blessing. The problem is that every single one of us has a tendency to depart from God's design because we want to do things our own way. We depart from God's design. The Bible has a word for this. And the word is sin. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and we all fall short of God's design for our lives. When we sin against God and depart from his design, we end up in a place we call brokenness. Now, we've all been in broken places in our lives. Brokenness feels like shame. It feels like regret, emptiness. It's the feeling of being used. It's loneliness. When we end up in brokenness, though, it feels like a bad thing. But in a lot of ways, it's a good thing because it calls our attention to the need to change. When we're in brokenness, we try to change things, and so we maybe dive into another relationship, or we try to make more money, or we try to numb the pain of our brokenness with drugs and alcohol, but whatever it is, we figure out that the change that we need doesn't really come from in here. The change we really need comes from somewhere else. And the Bible says there's very good news for every one of us, and the good news is that God wants to heal the broken places in our lives. The Bible has a word for good news, and the word is gospel. And the gospel is the simple story of how Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He came to earth as a man. He died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he was raised from the dead. Now, when Jesus was dying on the cross, God did a miracle. He took the sins of the world, that's your sins and my sins, and he put them on Jesus. But then when God raised Jesus from the dead, God proved that Jesus could do everything for us that he said he could do. He can forgive us of our sins, and he can heal the broken places in our lives. So the kind of change we need doesn't come from out there. The kind of change we need comes from the gospel. And the Bible has a word for the kind of change that we need. And that word is repent. Repent means to change our mind, to change our heart, to change our direction. And when we repent of our sins and we believe the gospel story, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then the Bible says that Jesus comes into our lives, he forgives our sins, and he begins to heal the broken places in our lives. And because he does that, then we have the opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. Now when God comes into our life, he then takes us and he sends us back out into a broken world where we can tell others about how Jesus can heal them. 
So now it's your turn. I want you to pair off right now, right there in the room, and pair off with one another and go through the three circles. Don't talk about going through the three circles. Don't make excuses about not knowing what to say. Just do the best that you can right now to share the three circles with someone else, just as if they've never heard it before. Let each person get in at least one rep and then switch partners and do it again. Your facilitator will help you team up. This is practice time. Now let's get those reps. All right, you don't have to do that yet. So um, the guy in that video, his name is Jimmy Scroggins. Jimmy Scroggins is the pastor of Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida, formerly uh, First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach, Florida. And he developed this Three Circles Evangelism tool, and it's a really, really neat story that he was pastoring there very early in his ministry in West Palm Beach, and he started a kind of a marriage counseling class for couples that are getting ready to get married. And his assumption was that all these people coming to this class would be people that had a good working knowledge of the Bible and Scripture and all that kind of thing. But he found out that he had a lot of non-believers who had no way of understanding the gospel and no way of understanding the Bible. He said, I need to figure out some way to get to them quickly, to get them to understand the message of Scripture. And so he came up with the Three Circles Evangelism tool. Now, I like, I like the Three Circles tool, but I want to just give you some fair warning this is not the only infallible way to share the gospel. I hope you understand that, okay? But this is just my attempt, my attempt to help make sure that you are familiar with what is an easy way to make Jesus known. When I became the pastor of Sharon Heights, or before I became the pastor of Sharon Heights, I told your search committee in a letter that I sent them that three promises that I would make is that I would help you understand your Bible, I would help teach you how to pray, and I would help teach you how to share the gospel. And whatever success might look like for a pastor, if I've done those things, I feel like I've been a success. If by the time I leave or retire or die, whatever, I have helped you understand the Bible better, and I've helped you understand how to pray more effectively and help you share the gospel more faithfully, then I feel like I've succeeded. And I meant that promise, so I'm going to try and help you learn how to share the gospel because we have to be serious. We have to be serious about praying for our lost friends and family. We have to be serious about sharing the gospel with them. We have to be serious about doing the work Jesus has sent us to do. We looked at these verses this morning, John chapter 20, verse number 21. The Lord comes to his disciples after the resurrection. He says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As God has sent me, even so I'm sending you. If we have been sent, we're people that have been sent with a message. We had a staff meeting this afternoon, and I told them, as we think about our church, I want us to get it into our minds and understand and embrace the idea that Sharon Heights Baptist Church exists to share life, that we exist to share the message of the love of Jesus as we share life together and share the gospel with those around us. Now, uh, just before we jump in, how many of y'all can see my board here? How many of y'all could move where you could see it if you can't see it? If you can't, thank you, Layla. If you can't, if you can't, uh, most everything I'm going to go over here is going to be on the screen so you can, uh, you can make it work. But as you, as you get situated tonight, how many of y'all have ever been trained in any, any kind of evangelism training before? Okay. How many of you have never been trained at all in how to share the gospel? All right, good deal. So we're not quite half and half, but, but roughly half and half because some just refuse to vote. You know, that's a hanging chad, I guess. I don't know. Some of you I know here at Sheridan Heights many years ago, you went through a program called Faith. And if you're comfortable sharing the gospel with faith, then 
grip it and rip it and go with it, all right? Uh, I was trained using evangelism explosion. Uh, some of you maybe are familiar with that with D. James Kennedy. I'm comfortable with that. It's kind of the, the outline that, that fits for me. I've, I've been trained in another program called uh, How to Share Jesus. Uh, how to, how is it called? Sharing Your Faith Without Freaking Out. I've done that. I've done several different uh, programs and, and methods. But here's the way I think about it. I think about sharing the gospel like playing the guitar. Okay? If you're going to have the freedom to make music, then you have to ground yourself in some rules. You have to learn notes and chords and scales and all this boring stuff nobody wants to know just so they can rip a juicy solo, right? So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to learn all the boring stuff uh, that maybe nobody wants to know. Now, why I like about the three circles is, first of all, it offers us a common way to talk about the gospel. It offers us a common language to share the gospel that starts with God's design. Second of all, it's easy. If you can draw a circle, you can share the gospel. Some of y'all starting to panic, say, man, I can't draw a straight line. I didn't say you had to draw a straight line. I said, if you can draw a circle. But you say, I, I don't know if I can do that. Well, never fear. There is a Three Circles app. And part of your homework, if you have a smartphone, is to download that app. And it will do all the work for you. And it's foolproof. And you, if you do that, you can just leave right now. Don't have to worry about the rest of it. You can just hand your phone to somebody and say, share the gospel with yourself. It's that easy. What I like, I'm serious, seriously. What I, like, what I like about the three circles method of sharing the gospel is that it's adaptable. Adaptable. What I mean is, even though there are some scriptures I'm going to give you tonight, I want you to take note of, we're going to dive into them a little bit deeper in a couple weeks, uh, there's room for flexibility if other scriptures work for you. And I'm going to talk about how you can do that. And you can even use this same outline not to go through scripture as much as to share your story. You saw how it goes from God's design to brokenness. If you know what that brokenness of sin is like, you can tell people about that. And how the Lord, uh, and I'm going to help you do that too. So, what I like about this is that it gives us this common language, and it deals with brokenness, and it's adaptable. So tonight, I'm going to try and go through this with you in 10 to 15 minutes, and then yes, you are going to pair off, and you are going to share the gospel with people here tonight. Isn't that exciting? To talk with people at church. And you can, you can pick anybody you want. I don't care. You can pick me. That'd be great. You can pick your husband. You think, man, he really needs Jesus. You can share the gospel with him. That'll be fine. Won't be a problem. But I want to make sure you're comfortable with this. In a couple weeks, in a couple weeks, this may be counterintuitive, but in a couple weeks, I'm going to deal specifically with what really is the hardest part, I think, of sharing the gospel. And that is how do you start a conversation with somebody or at least kind of transition it to spiritual matters if it's not there anyway. I'm going to talk about that. But here's what you can do this week since you are going to have homework this week. Here's what you can do to anybody that you come across, anybody that you meet. You can just talk to them and say, hey, can I show you something our pastor taught us at church the other night? And there you go. And if they say no, then say, okay. <laughs> and don't worry about it, I guess. Or hand them your phone. Say, here, lead yourself to Jesus. Um, so what I like about the three circles, as you saw, is that it starts with that circle on the screen. It starts with God's design. Now, we know this is where the Bible starts, right? Because the Bible says what? In Genesis 1-1, class? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3 says that when the Lord created light, which was the first thing he created, right? That God saw the light, and it was what? It was good. It functioned according to his design. It was structured right. It was working exactly the way it was supposed to. That God has a design for this world, and when things go according to that design, then things work right. Now, if you're talking to somebody, there are certain people 
that are going to disagree with you at this point. Not everybody believed that God designed the universe, right? You know that. I'm going to try and give you just a thought to help them, to talk to them, to come back in just a few minutes. But right now, we're taking it for granted that in Birmingham, Alabama, that is, I think, the most churched city in America, that most people are going to probably agree with this, that God has a design. And if you read Scripture, and you can tell them this, that God's design touches on everything from our jobs. Remember when He created Adam, He gave him something to do. God's design touches on our relationships. God's design touches on our money. God's design touches on the things we should love, the things we should hate, the things we should do. God's design really affects every single area of life, doesn't it? And you can ask them that. You can say God's design touches on every area of life, doesn't it? You say, have you ever read the Bible and you've seen in the Bible where it talks about God gives us uh, these designs for our job and God gives us these designs for our relationships. And you can ask them, why is that in there? And it's there because God who made the world has a good plan for the world. And God who made us has a good plan for us. And so we're getting at here in this first circle is what has God made us for? What has God made us for? And there's a lot of ways that you could answer that question and be faithful to Scripture, right? God made us to know Him. That's true. God made us to worship Him. That's true. God created us to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. That's absolutely right. God created us to live with Him at the center of our lives. That's all absolutely true. But... Here's what you say. You say, but we get uncomfortable with that, don't we? Sometimes we wonder if God's design really is the best plan for us. Sometimes we wonder, does God really know best? Can I really trust Him? Should I really follow what God says in His Word? And so every one of us has done what? We've departed from God's design, haven't we? We've wondered, can I really trust Him? Can I really know him? Does God really have my best interest at heart? Does God really care about me? If I really stick with God's design, is God going to hurt me? It's the story of the prodigal son. We'll talk more about that in a couple weeks, right? If I stay with my father, my father's house, then I'm missing out. And so I want to do what? I want to run away. What does the Bible call it when we try and run away from God's design? The Bible calls it sin. I was worried about spelling some of these words wrong. I know I got that one right. <laughs> the Bible uses a lot of different terminology to talk about sin, and we're going to talk about them the next few weeks, but it gives us some strong verses. Isaiah 53, 6, I think, is, is as simple but as powerful of an explanation about sin as you could ever hope to understand. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, and where have we turned? To our own way. We've rejected God's design. And we tried to invent our own design, right? The Bible says each of us has done that. Romans 3.10. These are classic verses in any kind of evangelism training. Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So the Bible says that all of us have done this. But what's the consequence of... Things not being the way they were designed to, to function. The result is brokenness. Guys, have you ever used a tool that wasn't really the tool you needed? You ever used the handle of a screwdriver for a hammer? What's the result? <laughs> brokenness. Have you ever used a steak knife to open a box? Yes, what's the result? Brokenness. All right, so that's going to be our second circle. 
brokenness. It's a result of our departing God's design. And this is, this is a great place to start. I know Brother Corey was telling me that he actually shared this with somebody at dinner on the back of a receipt on Thursday. Was that right? Which is awesome, isn't it? But he said he started here. Is that what you did? You started here? Because this guy's living here. He's experiencing the brokenness in his life. And is it not true that people you work with, one thing they're going to want to do, the people in your family, one thing they always want to do is people always like to talk about their problems, don't they? Lord, yes, they want to talk about all their problems and the issues they're having. And how many times have you heard that thinking, well, the problem is you ain't doing what God said to do. That's your issue. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, right? And we laugh about that just because people like to whine and people like to talk about themselves, which are great assets if you're trying to show the gospel. But truth is, this is serious. We live in a broken world, don't we? We live in a broken world. We live in a world where people suffer. We live in a world where people hurt. We live in a world where people's lives really are broken and busted because they're not being the people God made them to be. And you can ask people. You can ask them. Do you agree that there's something wrong with the world? And stand back if you ask them that. Is there something wrong with politics? There's something wrong with natural disasters? Is there something wrong with people? What is it that is wrong with us? And I think this right here is the point that can help you if you are talking to somebody who's going to reject the idea that God has a design for the world. Because I've never met anybody, even the most militant atheist I've ever talked to, everybody believes the world's broken. You can't believe that the world's broken unless you first believe that the world has a design. You can't believe that the world is wrong unless there's something right. And they believe that the world's wrong. They just don't have any idea what right is supposed to be. They believe that the world is, you know, just a bunch of random chemical reactions that started in space several billion years ago, but there's something wrong with it. Well, they're inconsistent, but that's a whole different thing. Brokenness. But is it not true that when our lives are broken, when we deal with the consequences of sin, when we deal with the fallout of our rejection of God, what do we try and do? We try and fix it, don't we? You don't know why? You want to know why you use the handle of a screwdriver as a hammer? Because you want to fix it. You're a fixer. And so what do we do? You're thinking, what are the little squiggly lines for? Well, that's our attempt to do what? To get out of brokenness. And these are the people that, that, that you love, that you care about, that you work with. This is what they're doing. And these could be a million different things in any person's life. People trying to escape their brokenness by addiction, don't they? People trying to escape their brokenness by new relationships. People trying to escape their brokenness by being religious. People trying to escape their brokenness through sexual activity. People trying to escape their brokenness through many, many different things. And you can talk to them. You can say, listen, this is where you are right now. You're living a life where you're trying to get out of your brokenness. You realize there's something wrong with your life. And you're trying to fix it. And you're trying to make it better. And you can tell them these verses. You can say, the Bible tells you that if you reject God's design and your sin, that you will be broken by that. Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. If that isn't an epitaph for humanity, then I don't know what is. So we're trying to fix them. We're trying to run in a million different directions. And what are we really trying to do? With all these attempts to fix our brokenness, what are we really trying to do? We're trying to save ourselves, aren't we? 
We're trying to put back together what's been broken by our sin. We're trying to save ourselves. And it never works. It never works. And our lives become just this endless cycle of self-salvation projects. And so we're broken. And so what we really, really need is good news. What we really, really need is good news. And thankfully, there's a Bible word for good news. Anybody know what it is? The word gospel. Exactly. And that's a great point to tell people because people around you have heard the word gospel, but they may not know that it actually does mean good news, that there is good news. And the good news is what? That God has entered into our broken, sinful world, and He's taken that on Himself at the cross so that you and I could be restored to God's design. That's the good news. We looked at Romans 6.23 a minute ago. Uh, the first part of that verse says the wages of sin is death. I don't have it on the screen, but I hope you know the last part of that verse says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21 tells us that for our sake, He, that's God, made Him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That is the good news. So, here's my question for you. How many of y'all know John 3.16? All right, if you know John 3.16, that's the only verse that you have to memorize. Now, you should know more for a lot of reasons. That's the only verse you have to memorize to be able to share this here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that's right here, that whosoever believeth in Him, we'll get to that in a minute, should not, what? Perish. But have everlasting life in God's design. Now, we try and save ourselves and we need good news. And by the way, if you do know John 3, 16, that's a great, great question to ask people if you're trying to share the gospel with them. Do you, to ask them, do you know John 3, 16? You know what it says. And they're going to hobble through it, right? Probably. They're going to try and piece part of it together. And you can walk with them through that. So the good news is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was rose again so that we could be made right with God. Now, we're going to talk in a couple weeks about different ways the Bible talks about salvation. Like forget, talks about salvation as legal forgiveness. The Bible talks about salvation as debt cancellation. The Bible talks about forgiveness as adoption into a new family. It talks about it in a lot of different ways. But if Jesus has come to do this, how do we get from here and running away from our brokenness, how do we get from there to the gospel? Well, the word for the change that the Bible tells us we need is really two words at once. Right? Repent and believe. What does it mean to repent? I'm sorry about my handwriting. Public school, you know. Um, what, what does it mean to repent? It means to turn around. What does it mean to believe? It means to trust, to rely. The Bible would use a word like receive or accept. Jesus comes preaching and he says in Mark 1.15, repent and believe the gospel. The very first thing that Jesus preached is that message. Re that's short, isn't it? Repent. Turn from your brokenness, turn from your sin, and trust in Jesus. Trust in what he's done in this message, and you will be saved. So what does repentance mean? It means to turn from what? It means to turn from our sin. I think it's important you emphasize this. Repentance means you turn from your sin and all of your attempts to fix it. All these little self-salvation projects you've got on the side. Turn around from that and trust in Christ alone to save you. Faith Belief, trust, those are all synonyms. John 1, 12 says, To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe in his name. So if we do that, if we repent and if we believe, then the Bible says that we can recover God's purpose for our life. 
not just recover it, but we can begin to pursue it. Now, if I repent of my sins and believe in, God, in the gospel, does that mean that every problem I have in a broken world is fixed? No, of course not. But does it mean that I now can live the life God intends for me to have? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus said, right? You can have my joy. You can have my peace. You can have all those things. And so now, as a believer, I am able to recover God's design and pursue it. That, yes, I'm going to sin. I'm going to, I'm going to go from here to here. And I'm going to experience brokenness, and I'm going to experience problems, but I can still pursue Christ, and I can still know Him, and I can still make Him known to others. So the question that you ask, I think at this point, is if you're able to share this with someone, the thing to do might be just to ask them, where do you find yourself on this diagram? Where, where are you? I don't mean where are y'all. I mean this hypothetical person we're talking to. Where are you? Where are you? And they're going to hopefully be honest and tell you. And then all you have to do is ask them, is there anything that would stop you from repenting and believing in the gospel right now so that you could recover and pursue God's design for your life? And that's it. I don't know if that was 15 minutes, but that was close, wasn't it? So now, the fun begins. Everybody have... Everybody have a piece of paper. Well, here's what I want you to do. How many of y'all are sitting on a napkin right now? Can everybody get a napkin in your hand? Oh, you moved them on John's cleaning up, didn't you? Because I want you to see... How you can share this just like Brother Corey did the other day, sitting at lunch or sitting at supper, sitting in the break room with anybody at any time. If you have a nap, something as simple as a napkin and a pen, and there should be a pen in the back of the seat in front of you, but I guess most of you have one. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody have a napkin? Anybody not have a napkin? We need one more napkin. There we go. Because I've stole all the napkins out of the watering hole. I just want you to know. I don't have one. Thank you. Um, seriously, I was bringing them down here by the truckload a little while ago. So good luck Sunday morning eating your cinnamon rolls. So I want you to find somebody. And I want you to share the three circles with them. All right? Ready, set, go.